How do? How do? Devin Clarkson podcast. Well, I could press all of the buttons and make like an audience clap and stuff like that, kind of, you know, we've, we've been there before. Shall we do it? Shall we see if I can get some cheering or some clapping? Yeah, just like that. We'll have some cheering and some clapping. How good's that? Makes me sound like I've got a proper audience as opposed to just speaking into the ether. Right, listen back to some old episodes to get your introductions. You know the drill, you know the drill. Right, what we're talking about today. Uh, first off, we're talking about the fact that I ain't got a cup of tea or coffee because I normally slurp a lot in these podcasts and I know it does some people's nutting, but it's the way it's going to be. I'm not talking about that today. Uh, I think I'm going to talk a bit about mental health and getting outside and exploring and all that stuff. So we're not going to talk about expeditions. We're not going to name drop rivers I've done. We're not going to do any of that stuff. We're not going to talk about expeditions in Nepal because you guys know this stuff. And if you don't know this stuff, then listen back to some of the earlier episodes. Right. Let's start this off. Kayaking. Is it inclusive, right? And is it, start with that premise, is kayaking, whitewater kayaking primarily, but is it inclusive? Uh, we'll leave, start at that premise and then we'll look at the mental healthy stuff based on the premise of is it inclusive. So, we're gonna, I'm going to argue that it's not inclusive at all. In fact, it's quite divisional. Uh, it's become a bit of a rich person sport, hasn't it, to be starting off with. And to be honest, it needs to be a bit more expensive uh, because people might look after the kit a bit better. But it's a bit expensive, isn't it? And even clubs struggle to get good gear and uh, grants are slim and social enterprises are slim. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. So is it inclusive? No, it's not. It's the division. And then within our sport, we've got divisions... I think, between our disciplines. So you see it on social media, don't you? Right, you see somebody post innocently on one of the social media little group pagey things going, where can I take my inflatable kayak that I bought from Decathlon? Innocent question. I mean, the answer is sheltered water. And don't be a dick, isn't it? Uh, but people get quite condescending about it. I've noticed. And then you've got your sort of arguments between slalom paddlers and recreational, I wouldn't say recreational, slalom paddlers and river paddlers, you know. that's that, that can be a bit strenuous sometimes, especially if a rec paddler, you know, like a white water leisure paddler, is sat in a gate line. My advice, gang, if you are a white water wreck paddler, paddling a course that's got slalom poles in it, right? Try and work out where the gate line is and don't sit there. I'm not a slalom paddler, but I can imagine that really boils people's piss. If you are training for summer and you've set your gates and there's some numpteen sat in Tupperware, 600 quid worth of Tupperware, right on your gate line, okay? So guys, if we if we can, just try and be a bit more considerate. Similarly, if you're a slalom paddler, accept people are going to pull out on you. Uh, 
because some people don't look upstream when they should. Uh, and they don't look downstream sometimes when you're doing upstream gear, etc., etc. So let's try to know a bit more compassion. Okay. And then we've got the arguments and the things is kayak surfing as good as waves, surfboard surfing, and all that malarkey, you know, sit on tops. And then let's not even get into stand up paddleboarding because that's a whole, whole new world of pain, isn't it? Whole new world of pain. So I'm not convinced, and I'd love people to argue with me on this, I'm not convinced that we're that inclusive, really. People, you know, our disciplines, we are pretty discipline specific, you know, like you can't buy one boat to do it all, can you, for a start off? Uh, you can't buy one body to do it all. You know, we are quite discipline specific. And then what we've got, right, is let's look at whitewater kayaking, because I'm a whitewater kayaker. We've got this thing called grading, <laughs> grading class, the grading or class system. I mean, I sometimes, I use them interchangeably. Okay, grading, we're using Britain, Europe, and class, it's a bit more international. It means the same thing, doesn't it? You're one to five, and five plus, and six is death. So zero is like flat cam canal lake, and then six is death. And if you've got a class six rapid that's supported, and somebody paddles it, you know, like, the Kearns and Scott Lingon did back in the Cali back when they ticked off the California portages, it becomes a five plus, doesn't it? Okay. So we've got this weird sort of uh tick box almost where you've got not just if you've got your skills graded, because you can do British canoeing skill uh validation for a better word, you know, one star, two star, river leader whatever it's called these days, uh, guide, coach, etc., etc. validates your skill base. Might not validate your experience because skills, validation and experience validation are different things. Uh, so you've got that and then you've got your grade validation. Okay, so you've got, I'm a class two paddler. Grade two paddler. I'm a class five paddler. And I've had this argument before with people where they say I'm a class four paddler if I'm in boat X, but if I'm in boat Y, I can only paddle class three. Well, that's bobbins, isn't it? As Frank Sidebottom would say, that's complete and utter tripe. Uh, if the boat is designed for that style of water, you should be able to paddle that style of water, isn't it? Uh, what it proves is that the boat you're paddling, uh, the higher gradient is compensating for your skill base, in my opinion. Okay in my opinion. And again, you people have to disagree with because it's only an opinion and I'm a Yorkshire bloke rattling on into the ether. Okay? But it is food for thought. I'm not a massive fan of grades because I think that in the white water community, I think it separates us a lot. It gives us a good idea when we meet strangers on the river that where they, where they sort of sit in the spot. But it's quite kind of hierarchical, isn't it? And I'm not a big fan of hierarchy. But it is hierarchical, you know, there's an obvious sort of, if you're a class 5 paddler, then you're a better paddler than a class 2 paddler. Hierarchy? Now, that's not necessarily the case, is it? I mean, some of the world's best slalom paddlers don't paddle class 5, and yet they've probably got techniques that piss on the chips of anybody that can paddle class 5. Uh, so, it, it's a bit hierarchical, and it's not inclusive, and I don't like it. But that's just me. Uh, I understand the reasons for it. I understand why we have it. 
I'm not stupid. I've been in this game a long, long time, you know, nearly 30 years of paddling, more than 35 years of paddling. So I understand it, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I don't understand it at all, but I'm not saying it increase inclusive on, on that sort of level, is it, on that small level. Now, we need to look at mental health because that's where I was the start of the podcast. I said, paddling mental health. I've done podcasts on mental health before. In fact, there's, I think there's one on here uh, on this podcast series. Uh, scroll back through. I'm sure it's there. If not, there's a couple on British Canoeing that I did uh, with Etienne. So find them if you want. You can Google them. And, you know, people, you know, and if you know me, then you know I've written stuff online about mental health and kayaking and mental health and running and all that. Right. Is our sport, and, well, rephrase it, our sport is definitely, without compromise, good for your mental health. Okay? Our sport is bad for your mental health, without compromise. Full stop. It's good and bad for your mental health, isn't it, our sport? Because you get to a certain, uh, certain threshold of goodness, for want of a better terminology, and then something catastrophic happens. A fatality on the river. Or somebody gets badly injured or stuck in a siphon. Or you get scared to within an inch of your life. And that affects your mental health. Okay. Now, the good days when things work or when you can sort of adapt to the quick changes in the aquatic environment are really good for building resistance and resilience. Resilience is the word I'm looking for, resilience. And I suppose resistance as well. But resilience is the word I'm looking for. They're really good at building resilience, which you can take with you into your everyday life. You know, like adapting to challenges, making judgment calls, acting quickly when needed, uh, being decisive, etc., etc. But then there are times when all that crumbles, isn't it? you know, like the castles of resilience that you built and uh, built on sand, don't they? And they wash away when something bad happens and it affects your mental health. And then you sort of rebuild it. And it could take ages and ages to rebuild, or it could be pretty instant, or you can just brush it off, and then years later it comes and hits you on the back of head like a burglar with a old vase. Uh, right. Great, I love it. Mental, kayaking mental health, I think it's really good. It teaches us a lot of lessons that perhaps we didn't know we needed to learn, but we do learn. And we smile and we make friends and all that. Right. In the wider community, the wider community, okay? Not the paddle community. Do we see how our sport is perceived by the wider community? Whitewater kayaking. We're seen as daredevils, aren't we? Some of us sort of quite like that. You know, you talk to your colleague at work or a stranger on the bus because there's always some loon on the bus wanting to speak to you. And if there isn't a loon on the bus wanting to speak to you, then you're probably that loon. Uh, and if you live in London, this is probably something you've never come across, people speaking to you on the bus. But I'm a Yorkshireman and everybody speaks to you on the bus. You know, so somebody will ask you, you know, what you do at the weekend, or, and you say you're whitewater kayaking. Grades don't matter at this point, it's irrelevant, you know. 
but it comes across that you're some kind of adrenaline junkie loon, right? So let's just post that someplace, like a post-it note. Stick that somewhere with loons, right? Bet there's a thousand people in your community that want to give it a bash, though. But there is. Bet they haven't got the means to do it. Now, the way I'm sort of going around the houses on this is... You listeners here, you guys and gals, may or may not have heard uh, of the experiment done on rats, but it does transpose to humans, so I'm going to talk about it with rats. And being a vegetarian, I don't agree on animal testing and all that, but bear with me. In the 70s, right, people were studying addiction. Now, we can sort of replace the word addiction with mental health, okay? Uh, because it's a, one and the same. So I'm going to say addiction, but it might be mental health crisis. So just bear with just bear with me on that. Okay, and the experiment goes that there's a rat in a cage, right? And the rat's given two bottles of water. One bottle is just water, and the other one has got drugs in it, right? That rat gorges itself, gorges itself on the water with drugs in it. And kills itself, overdoses, over over weeks, right? That same experiment is repeated to the point of uh, where we can sort of see it in society, where the rat is not put in a he's put in a cage, but he's not in a cage, isolated like he was. He's put in with other rats, you know. And whilst he's got the water that's got drugs in it and the water without drugs in, he's also got what we could call rat land, like Disneyland for rats, as opposed to Mickey Mouse. Uh, so, you know, you've got good food, you've got tunnels, you've got ratty stuff, you've got burrows to piss about in. Whatever rats love, I don't know what rats love. But as the experiment goes, the rats are given like a, it's a culture, there's peers around, there's stuff to do, you know. And lo and behold, the rat does not uh, drink that uh, druggy water until it dies, okay. Might have a little taste, but it doesn't sort of keep going back to it and back to it and back to it. What it does is it drinks the normal water and then dicks about with its mates, as rats do, you know. Uh, you know, probably fight a little bit and I don't think they do fight but they play piss on each other and uh, but they have good food and then they sort of do ratty things in burrows and bedding and bite stuff and just generally ratty stuff right so let's use that experiment as our base and I know I've been a bit sort of flippant with it but you can google it and it is a real experiment and it's you know uh, it's, it's just resurfaced actually uh, in the world of mental health and, and addiction and it's just appeared in the Guardian uh, a couple of months back, actually, uh, when they were talking about self-help and stuff like that. And, and I know it was a few months back because I googled it for the sake of the podcast. <laughs> I didn't see it in the Guardian, but it's there. Right. If we look at our society, we have people with addiction issues, again, backslash mental health issues. Uh, we all have mental wellness issues at times, I'm sure. Uh, mental health issues, addiction issues. And... Uh, 
can we see how it parallels a society? So when we've got a society that's full of toys and we have a social structure and we sort of move about in it, we sort of all right, aren't we? We don't rely on uh, stuff that gets us addicted, you know, like which might be our mental health. We might become not addicted, but we might become in a spiral of depression. But if we're in a place where we can get out and experience things and maybe challenge ourselves and we've got peers and we've got a nice environment, then life's all right. You know, we've got stuff that validates us. And I joke a lot about validation. Validate me, validate me. You know, I've surfed this wave, validate me. I've done a cartwheel, validate me. You know, talk a lot about that tongue-in-cheek sometimes. But we all need validation, all of us. And some of us need validation for the work we do. Some of us need validation for the skills we've acquired. Some of us need validation for the fact that we're resilient. You know, we all need validation, and our peers do that. So if we're now Mr. Ratty, and we're in this little cage, and we ain't got that validation, we ain't got that sort of dopamine and you know endorphin fix that Mr. Ratty uh, gets when we're in like a community space, but we sort of live in a society that cages us in literally, we don't have access to stuff, then our mental health will drop and we might turn to substance misuse, right? And I'm using substance misuse because it's just in the experiment, but I'm sure we are all clever enough, especially the listeners of this podcast, to replace that with something that that uh, is tangible for our experiences. Okay? But when we're in an environment that, fulfills our needs, it validates us, it gives us meaning and purpose and love and conditioning. That's great, isn't it? Don't alienate us, it's good. Okay, let's full stop that. Does so then we go back, does kayaking validate us? Does it give us meaning and purpose, personally? It, on the wider scheme of things, it doesn't really, does it? Like no one really it don't better the world, you know, if we piss about in 600 quid of plastic it doesn't really better the world but it might make us feel better it might validate us it might give us a meaning to our lives some challenges that we that we need as a as a individual you know it might give us all that stuff it might give us a community uh to laugh with because at the best days on the river the times that you'd laugh with your mates you know it's not necessarily the times that you paddle alone never paddle alone in brackets okay but how do we get now a proportion of people who want to paddle, but they are in a situation where society has caged them in? And the society could have caged them in for a multitude of reasons, multiple reasons. Social economic demographics, okay? Poverty. Even work, overwork, family issues, disability, no access to the waterways in a city. How can we open our spaces? How can we open our sport to the betterment of people within our society? Okay, it's a question I'm going to posit. How can we do that? Okay. How, how do we do that? How I'm, you know, I grew up kayaking with cubs and scouts and then the canoe club. A canoe club, like I've said before, and I will say again, that is in a really low socio-economic society. It's a place of poverty, 
you know the place he's gone downhill aggro because McDonald's has left. Okay? McDonald's is not in the town anymore. McDonald's are always in cheap places. It's gone. Okay? It's gone. Property. You can buy property in this town for less than 20 grand. You know? You walk down the street in this town, there's methadone cups on the floor. Okay? It's probably the same for a lot of towns and cities in the country, by the way. But so how can we be more inclusive to, to get people out of that to sh out of that environment to show them adventure? We can adventure local, we can build hope, we can build self-confidence, we can give appropriate challenges, self-worth, validation. How can we do that? Okay, as a sport. The same goes across everything I've mentioned, you know. How can we validate people? How can we give them better lives? And I don't want people going to me, well, you know, there's a canoe club down our road and they, and they support, but oh, there's a charity that can... That, okay, have you tried walking into a charity when you're on your uppers, knocking on the door and saying, please, can I go kayaking? Okay. I think we you know, back at the wrong tree there, aren't we? We've got people here in our society that could benefit from our sport. Okay. And we all do this sport for different reasons, right? And I'm on a bit of a soapbox today about it. But I, I don't really care about facility fees and, and boat prices and any of that stuff, really. I just want to know, how can we, as a society, and when I say society, I mean oh, a kayaking society, a kayaking culture, which is a real cool sort of subculture in it in the world. And then within our subculture, we have other subcultures, and that's really cool. Uh, but we fight a little bit and bicker a bit. But we've got the same sort of common goals. Okay. But how can we get more people involved with ongoing support? And I don't mean let's have an open day and get, you know, get those kids from that sinky state over the summer holidays, right, in the canoes on the lake for an hour on a Wednesday afternoon during school holidays. Right? I'm not talking about that. Because... That's like a carrot on a stick and then whipping the carrot away after six weeks and it doesn't happen. Like, it's it's just not... It's good at the time, but it's really, really short-lived. It's not a long-term investment. How can we... How can we do it, guys? I don't know. I really don't know. How can we... And it, I, I'm saying this for kayaking, but it could be for climbing. It could be for mountain biking. It could be for loads of things, right? How can we do it? What sort of spurred me on for this was I was chatting uh, to a friend of mine in Nepal yesterday who's studying trail running in Nepal. And we were looking at parallels between people that run and social demographics. Okay? And what we've been noticing, and he's a, a PhD scholar, is that running has become accessible, for the most part, across society, okay? Across society. And we've noticed that running, ex with the exception of uh, 
high competitive, high competitive, so like winners of London Marathon, right? Or winners of the Olympics, with that exception taken out. That it's mega inclusive. So you walk, while it might be nerve wracking and horrible to turn up to a running club on the first time or turn up to your first event or any of that stuff. People at that event are actually impressed for you, for you doing your best. And uh, kayaking seems a bit different, as I've just mentioned. There's a little bit of sort of unconscious bias, maybe. Uh, because our discipline's important and your discipline's not, and my grade of water's good and your grade's crap. Maybe it's some kind of little bit, you know, talk about white water paddles sitting in people's gate lines. That's just ignorance, isn't it? Uh, so I think we need to be a little bit more conscious there of it and a little bit more supportive. Some people are mega supportive, I don't know they are, but some people are not. But also those that need support need to be aware that when they're overstepping the mark, and what I mean by that is when their ambitions uh, outlast their skill base, because a lot of people, and I've seen it, and I'm going to have a soapbox and rant on this, people, social media age, yeah, uh, turn up a, a lay-by to get on a river, and they say to somebody that they've spoken to on social media and go, oh, can I join you on this run? Yeah, 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 no problem. Then they get all right dicking, because their ambition from sort of, chatting on social media doesn't match their skill base and their experience and blah 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 but I don't see me and Will were chatting and we don't sort of see that in running we see that because everyone everyone who runs runs individually it's not even though and kayakers run individually but they don't because they're sort of it seems we, it, it's different it just seems different uh, and both of us discussed this at length it just seems different uh but again, that could be our experiences of that world and not your experiences of that world, okay? So I'm not for a minute saying that people are going to go, but I find kayaking really in inclusive and, and I go road biking and that's really not inclusive or whatever. It's all different, isn't it? It's all personal. But God, I went off tangent a bit. But the point I'm making is running has become sort of an equaliser in society because you don't need anything to go running, I think. You need a pair of trainers. And to be honest, although, you know, like you can go and spunk a couple of hundred quid on a set of daps, you don't need them. Like, it makes it a bit easier, a bit nicer. Uh, but you can probably buy a set of running shoes from a supermarket type outdoor shoppy chain for less than 20 quid. And they'll do you enough to get you started but that's a really good thing isn't it you don't need a fancy watch you know you don't need you don't really need uh running specialist running clothes to be honest i mean it's all right to have a pair of shorts and a t-shirt but you can probably run in your joggers and a hoodie if you need to uh and that's what is that what makes running a bit more accessible i mean biking you know, is biking more accessible across a society? Biking per se, yeah, I guess. We've got 99% of us can ride a bike, you know. Uh, mountain biking. I mean, most mountain bikes I see now are more expensive than my car. And that puts a massive us and them on a mountain biking, even though they get nicked. 
Uh, speaking of stuff getting nicked, I've just had to drive down the road where all the manhole covers have been nicked because there's somebody weighing in scrap metal and all the manhole covers are metal and somebody's just taking them out overnight. Uh, but we're in a society that is struggling to put food on the table, so make no wonder scrap metal's getting nicked out of streets. Right. So I've sort of gone off at tangents, but you're getting my point, aren't you? You're getting my point. How do we make kayaking more inclusive within our sport so that we respect another discipline? I mean, I have the utmost respect for polo players, right? Because dead dangerous is polo. Uh, down river races, white water down river, bloody hell. Like the speed that they're going to like Mach 8 in boats that are as light as a sheet of A4 and you can see through them and they don't smack them up. I mean, that's insanely good, isn't it? It's brilliant, right? Sea kayakers, sea kayakers scares the bejesus out of me, right? Don't want, don't want all to do with it, right? Nothing to do with sea kayaking. Scares me. Scares me loads. Because uh, dead deep in it. Dead deep. Uh, and there's monsters in that sea in the, and all that stuff. So, you know, let's try and have a bit more respect for people within our sport. And perhaps, you know, some of us do it a bit jokingly, but I do see people, because I'm a whitewater paddle, I'm going to keep going back to this, I do see people sitting in gate lines, okay, or sitting at the top of eddies, right, when a slalom paddler's, like, got to do a dip turn on the eddy line. Not just a slalom paddler, like, another paddler. I mean, I'm, I've done it myself, okay? I'm not saying, that, you know, we're all white than white, because some of us are not, some of us are pricks. And uh, I've been there myself and sat on gate lines, and I've, floated down river without paddles thinking I'm you know Billy Big Bollocks uh, and a slalom paddle has not not locked upstream because I've been focused on the downstream and they've paddled into me and is that my fault for not having paddles because I couldn't move out of their way or is it their fault for being so focused on their practice run their training run a bit of both in it but, but a bit you know like I should have had a bit more respect a bit more now looked around gone with the slalom paddlers training I won't just float around you know like Billy Big Bollocks with no paddle. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of respect for each other. It sounds dead negative, doesn't it? But that's not. I think it's a real positive. I mean, we are blessed, aren't we, to have such a plethora of uh, subcultures within our subculture. And then how do we, like, motivate people in society for the betterment of their mental health, which then is to the betterment of society? Okay? How do we then do that stuff when boats are costing let's say two grand because it ain't going to be long right and they've not got a massive shelf life really although people will tell you know it's plastic dead dinosaurs I think they'll last forever but a manufacturer will tell you you've only got X amount of years of usable plastic before it's too brittle and too fucked and all that uh, sorry for swearing uh, it just infuriates me when manufacturers tell me that you've only got six to eight years out of a boat before it's too brittle. Pack it in. Pack it in. It ain't too brittle, is it? Because people paddle fiberglass and that's dead weak when it bounces off rocks. It's got to paddle it differently. Don't drag them down car parks. Don't bounce off rocks with them, that sort of stuff, you know. I've got a 40-year-old, is it 40-year-old my top one? Uh, yeah. Late 80s, my, but I've got one of my toppers. So bounce it off rocks. You know, so yeah. Although, yeah, Billy Big Bollocks bouncing his top off rocks. No, uh, how can we make it more accessible to to a community? And how do we how do we 
entice people into our community because it's a big lifestyle change, isn't it? Like every weekend, gosh, every weekend, weekends when you can going away, you know, sharing accommodation in bunkhouses perhaps or sleeping in tents, going to paddling festivals with random strangers that are doing crazy things on white water, competitive paddling, going and playing canoe polo, uh, you know, Albert Dock or Hull or Salford Keys or wherever, you know, and you, you're, you're like a big fish in your pond in your club, but then you're going down to a bigger arena and you're no longer that big fish, you're a smaller fish and the pond is now massive, isn't it? But how do we keep everyone sort of good and not scared or not threatened or how do we get them all inclusive? You know, I, mean, I know I've rattled on a lot, but it, it does worry me a little bit because... Surely it's better for our sport the more people. It's, well, it should be better for manufacturers, which, you know, let's be honest, if we're talking a business model, it's better for manufacturers, right? The more people we get in at the sport at grassroots level, right, the more boats they can flog later on, right? So that's a good thing, isn't it? You know, like, we know boats, sometimes manufacturers sell boats as lost leaders uh, to get people in, but... It's not just about that, is it? It's about how do we get people in in the first place, right? How does your club entice people in? What's your business model for your club? Have you got a business model for your club? What's your demographic for your club? If you're a club, if you're a club paddler, and clubs are really good, you know. I'm not. I don't for a minute want to say clubs are bobbins because they're not. I've had really good clubs, really good ways of getting people into the sport. Uh, call them a collective if you want, because clubs sounds. I, because sometimes sound a bit weird. How does your paddling collective entice people in? If you're starting kayaking and you're not part of a club, how do you do it? How do you do it? I don't know. Like, have you have you got to go down the club pathway and leave when you find that the clubs like you've outlived the benefit of that club? Then leave. Or do you not want to be part of any club that would have you as a member? Like you know, Groucho said. And uh, and if if that's the case, then how do you learn? You know, do you spend good money, hard-earned money, hard-earned fun tokens on guides and instructors and gear yourself? You know, how do we, how do we do that? How do we upsell, as it were, our lifestyle? And again, for the benefit of society's mental health, because society is only as strong as an individual's mental health, isn't it? And if we've if we've got people in our society that are struggling with mental health issues, addiction issues, uh, poverty. Etc. 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 Our society is on its ass. Okay, it's on its ass, isn't it? And I don't know the answer, you know. And I've rattled on about rats in cages and drugs and mental health. And I've gone round and round in circles about how can we bring more people into the sport, especially when it's got a price ceiling on it. Okay. So thank you for listening. I've not spoken about expeditions. My next one, I'll probably speak about expeditions again. And I've not, no, I've not done it for a while. So thank you for bearing with me on this. And like I say, I'm sorry that I've got a beam of bonnet on this, but I, I have today. And I've been sat on this podcast in my head all day long. Because I do want more people in our sport. I'm sure you do too. So how do we do that? Okay. And how do we make it sustainable? Okay. But thank you so much for listening, everyone. And uh, those people that buy me a coffee on the little app, it's not really a, like a virtual coffee in it, but it pays for hosting the podcast. So thank you for that, gang. And uh, I'll see you in an eddy sometimes. All right. Toodle pips. <laughs>